Welcome to the Untitled Film Project Podcast, where you go watch, then come listen. We're talking about movies today, and it's The Equalizer 3. It's Jim Chandler, along with Justin Bradford and Jeremy Gover. And Equalizer 3 brings Robert McCall back, and he's finally ending his career of helping the helpless. And he decides maybe he's going to settle down in a small Italian town until the local mafia threatens his newfound retirement home. I'm retired. Because of these people, I'm beginning to understand real peace. They see you as one of us. I like this place. You can't take that from me. I can take anything I want. We'll get into Equalizer 3, and we'll answer the big question. And that big question is, since this is Danzel Washington, what's your favorite role of his or favorite movie? I mean, either one I think will do, but I think favorite Mm -hmm. role, because he's had so many memorable and fantastic roles. He is one of the goats out there, so I think we'll all three have different answers potentially, even though there are some that are just the cream of the crop, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get into it. Equalizer 3. Initial takes. Let's start with Justin Bradford. Oh, I'll go first. I don't have much to say about this other than that I enjoyed my time watching it. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) For me, it is difficult as a critic for this type of movie because it just has a goal to accomplish. That is to tell his story, is it make you feel like he's getting revenge for the right people to make things right, and does it have an ending that makes you go, okay, cool. And it kind of does that. Okay. Uh, overall, the story is better than Equalizer 2, I believe. I like how they connect things back overall. I like how it's not based in Boston or the U.S. anymore. It's based somewhere else to kind of give you a sense of a different just feel for the film because I think it would have been too much if it was still in Boston again. If it was another right. thing in Boston or another thing in, in D.C. Or the, or the U.S., they had to reach out to give him some sort of peace to be where he's supposed to be. Uh, so, overall, the good mystery thriller, I mean, it's difficult to categorize this as a straight-up action movie mm-hmm. because there are only bits and sequences of action. And the action is fun. I mean, it's another one of those, like Gover's always said, like, what are good, unique ways I've never seen of how to kill somebody on screen before? (laughs) And each of the equalizers has provided a Mm -hmm. little bit of that. There's a lot of, okay, we've seen that, or this is predictable, or this is something that has been done before, but it's Denzel Washington, so he commands the screen. He's a likable assassin, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for sure. And you, you, I like the aspect of it being in a small Italian village because you're getting another sense of culture as well because they're not just switching everybody over to English. You're getting Italy because it's a small village. So, yeah, a lot of people there will speak English, but it's still an Italian village, and he knows a little bit of Italian, so they make fun with that and everything too. I think it might even be the best of the three, potentially. It's definitely better than two. I'll okay. definitely stay with that, and then we'll wait for our discussion to continue on. Jeremy Gover, what's your initial take on The Equalizer 3? You're a big fan of the franchise. I'm a big fan of the franchise. I liked one a lot. Huge rewatch value, smart dialogue, fun ways to kill people. There's a lot of mystery involved. Like, who is Mr. McCall? Why is he helping out the common man? Like, what? Like all these wonderful things that are going on in the story without being said. Okay? Yeah. Absolutely love the first one. So I'm shocked by what you said is maybe the best of the three. Because that's said maybe. No, I know. I no, I know. If you tossing it out, if you there. rewind the YouTube episode about 30 seconds, you'll see that my reaction died down when he said maybe. <laughs> so he started walking it back. I was like, okay, I wanted to jump across the table. Okay. 
my initial take here though is it's almost like they went and saw John Wick three and four between finishing Equalizer two and releasing three. And they had time. And right. <laughs> and they would go, Oh, we have to be more like that. Okay. Don't do that. Just be what you're good at. Stop trying to be something else. That's my initial take on the Equalizer three. All right. You always leave so much mystery. <laughs> I know. That's all right. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I will say that the Equalizer concept, uh, which has been done in TV a couple of times, TV currently, uh, and in the movies, of uh, you know justice being served where uh, just the regular means can't. Okay, police can't help you. You know the government can't help you. There's this guy who can. And, you know, you, every single time we see this scenario, uh, thankfully with Denzel Washington, because I think he just raises the game a little bit, uh, it satisfies that need for justice that just doesn't seem to be able to come from anywhere else. And I think that's what it's, it's that same feeling in a, in a much less violent way when you see a makeover show. You know, you're like, you okay, they show you this, this, somebody's home and they're living in squalor and it doesn't make any sense and, and stuff is falling apart. And somebody comes in and swoops in and fixes it and, and makes it better by the end. So in that, it totally succeeded. I did enjoy uh, the movie. I think Denzel is great. Uh, I think something about uh, him and Antoine Fuqua, he brings out, they bring out the best in each other. They work so well together. They've worked together on a bunch of movies, the first Equalizer, Magnificent Seven, you name it. Uh, so uh, I was very satisfied, even though I didn't think it, you know, broke any new ground or, or gave me some crazy new concepts. Uh, it did what it did very well. All right, let's get into the heart of the matter on Equalizer 3. Let's go to Jeremy Gover. Okay, I just, for context, want to again reiterate that I love the first one. I wrote about this on the untitledfilmprojectpod.com that when, you know, when the third one was about to come out, I was like, hey, let's, let's revisit the first one. I stressed that it is one of the best action movies of that decade, but it never gets mentioned among the best action movies of that decade. So I love the first one a lot. Fuqua's direction is incredible. Denzel, of course, is amazing. No. I'm not going to call it a cash grab at all because I do think what you mentioned, Fuqua and, and Washington bring out the best of each other. Yeah. So I think they just want to work together. I mean, right. training day, I mean, you know, it's great. Equalizer one, great. I mean, there's so many. So they want to work together, and that's awesome. I will go see Equalizer four if they make it, but I'm not excited about it anymore. This okay. movie kind of... Did the five-year break have anything to do with no, that? No, because I just wa- re-watched one and two getting ready for this movie, mm-hmm. and man, was I so excited. You were Not fresh. because, again, I, I've, on, the show, on the show before, I've said, I tried to bring my expectations into the theater because I don't think that's fair to a movie, one way or the other, right? I thought yep. Blue Beetle was going to be terrible. Ended up being okay. But I thought something else was going to be great. Ended up being garbage. Like So <laughs> it's just not fair to project it onto the movie. So I try to check that at the door. So yes, I was... Really excited to see this. But my expectation was, you've just got to show me what you're going to show me. Okay, tell me uh, maybe a, a scene or part of the story that just, to you, felt lazy or, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but something that where it didn't live up to what you loved about the first Equalizer. The mystery was gone. 
So the in the writing part of it, okay. Mm-hmm. In the first one, again, as I said, you're you're okay. Why is he like this? Why is he championing the every man? Why is he befriending this prostitute? Why is he going to exact her revenge? Why is he then going to go? There's all these different whys. Even in the second movie. To a lesser degree, obviously. But to, in, in the second movie, it's more of like, oh, he has a home over here. And this guy that he was his partner, like, he's turned bad. And so he's there's still a mystery, like, why? 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 And in this one, it's like, okay, there's no why. There's no substance to it for me. Okay. So for me, it's like, oh, he's just at, he's in this village because he happens to be there. We find out why later. Right, I mean, we we find out why at the very end. Mm-hmm. Right, but right. but there's but it's, there's not the the why is not a character in the movie. Okay, that's the yeah. best way to say it. Okay, a why the why the mystery is a character like probably the lead character in the first movie, in the second one not so much, but it's still there. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? This is a, why are they doing? Why that? are they doing right? Why is he so mad about this? In the third one, it's like okay, he's in a village and he witnesses this atrocity happen to these nice people and wants to go after it. Doesn't. Yeah, the, the why in this one was, why was he insisting in the first place? And that was, it just came full circle at the very end. That was it. Like, right. there wasn't any explanation because yeah. it wasn't part of the story as much. Correct. They made it part of the story with the CIA as, like, an underlying case of what they're trying to break up. But that wasn't the whole reason for him to be yes. through this thing with the mob. Like, that was just the introduction because then at the very end it's like the backpack. And, like, oh, cool. But that's what it right. was. It was the cool, oh, cool is not a character moment. in a movie. Right. Right. But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to counter that with a little bit of this because uh this is supposedly the end of the equalizer yes. franchise with Denzel Washington even though they could easily do another one, right? With Dakota Fanning. <laughs> right. Yeah, you Which make, I'd sign up for, again. You, you move her character up in, in, in you know, the credits and, and make her more of a focus. But uh, there was somewhat of a satisfaction in that he has finally found the place where he belongs. For sure. Okay? And then having the fact that he is injured and must rehabilitate there, he has found this community that he has grown to appreciate and figure out, and they've kind of come to appreciate and accept him. And so finally he's found his tribe. Okay. Okay. And I think where he's comfortable and he realizes like this, this is where I can be me for the rest of my life. And then it gets threatened. So, uh, you know, while there isn't a why, that was the why. Because, like, he's finally, you know, I come to peace. And then it's threatened. And now these are my people, as opposed to, you know, just somebody coming to him. And, you know, I, I desperately need help, but I can't get it anywhere. Uh, so it, this was a little more personal for him. I think that it was in the other movies where he's doing it for other people. This time he is doing it to help the people of the town, but he's doing it to help himself and his own future. Okay. Okay. I mean, even in the second one though, I mean, they killed his best friend. So, I mean, his only real, yeah, only real friend that yeah. knew him, that right. actually knew him and knew who he was. Right. Right. But so that, that but, is a kind of then, a revenge. But as then that's to... more reve- revenge. And this is like avenging. Right. Is what this one was more. So even the first one is more a vengeance instead of revenge. Yeah. Because like that connection with, with the prostitute in the first one, it's avenging what happened to her. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the second one, it is revenge. And he basically says that through the character. I was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill all of you. Yeah. That's revenge. 
<laughs> more so because he because, can. because because of what happened to instill that. Whereas sure. here with the way of life feels more like, even though he says I'm going to kill all of you, it's avenging because they threatened his future, it's, his future happiness. It's protection. Right. I think it moves to protection. Okay, I'm going to protect my people now. These have become by my being people. proactive too. By being proactive, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're not, you're not protecting the fort. You're going right after them outside the fort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to ask you guys about the gore because it's a pretty gory movie right from the beginning. Okay. Now, as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking of Jeremy Gover, who does not like horror movies for the gore, and I'm sitting there going. Wow, the gore in this movie is not much different from the gore in a horror movie. Because it was a very special kind of gore. And I'm starting to think, hmm, if, if you really like the gore in this one, you better button that pie hole up about the gore in horror movies. That was really going through my head as I'm watching the movie. That's so thanks for living rent-free in my head. Wow. You're welcome. Jim going right on the attack here. <laughs> Jim's going full Robert McCall on you. That's all right. It's very symbolic of the episode we're doing. <laughs> you have nine seconds to justify why you don't like that kind of gore, because I've just proven you do. You should probably wear a watch first. I probably should. Yeah, you should have done that joke, actually. Right. I did it at the very beginning of the intro. Oh, I missed it. It's in the video. You'll see. I'll catch it when I'm editing it. <laughs> No, but here's the difference for me. A lot of the gore that we see, for instance, the first walkthrough, it's it's post-action gore. Yes. So it it and it seems like horror movies sometimes, not all of them, and I think they've gotten better at it, is outlandish gore. The and it's the act of the of right. the gore, or right? Like pulling out guts and everything sure. too. Whereas this is the action of like shoving the glass through the eye socket. Right. Like and you're not seeing it very up close and seeing what happens after the fact. You're seeing the action of it happening, but you're not seeing the eye being ripped out. Right. Or, you just see the body laying there, and right. you can surmise what happens. Right. And, and even in the flashback, yes. that's all you really see is what happened to get to it. So I'm in the middle on this, because horror gore is still very different than action gore in terms of how it's portrayed on the screen. Right. And how the after effects happen with it, how, what you're trying to accomplish, I think, with horror gore, because it's meant to scare you, it's meant to frighten you, it's meant to get you in the moment to, to make you feel like, oh gosh, this is disgusting, this is happening. Action gore is to show, I think, more of a, well, this is this is what's happening to kill somebody. Like in Violent Night, even if we didn't like it, it's the gore there is still action gore, so it's more laugh gore yeah. to me. Okay. Or, yeah. like, or mouth open. Or mouth open. Yeah, so like it's it's still a different feature of gore. In the way that I view gotcha. it. So I'm in the center. So I see what you're saying, Jim. But I still agree with Gore. I, don't, I don't like horror gore near as much. Gore okay. with a smile. <laughs> That's what action gore is to me. Gore with a smile. Because how many times do yeah, you see like, John Wick, right? And he does something cool. And you're like, yeah. you're like oh, oh, yes. Yeah. But if I'm watching a horror movie, and I mean a real one, not like Demeter. Like a real, sure. like, a, like with some chops. Okay. Right. I'm not like, ah. you know, I'm not. I'm, like, not, ah. I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, like there's. The, sure. the reaction is different, but it's still in the same ballpark. It's made to hit different, even yeah. if it sort of looks the same. Yes. yes. Okay. Gore yes. with a smile. That's my <laughs> my official definition. That's going to be your tagline. That should be a new theme restaurant. Gore with a smile? Gore yeah. Gore with a smile, yeah. Would you like to try our brain cake? <laughs> We're going to butcher the animal in front of you <laughs> at oh. your table. Oh, gosh. Okay. With the T-Rex? That's not a smile, though. <laughs> <laughs> There 
there was a few things that I I, I enjoyed in the script. Uh, there was one line where uh, the the doctor that nurses him back to health, he says, you know, are you a good man yes. or bad? And he says, I don't know. And he says, only a good man would say that. And I thought, that's a great analysis of his character because he is a complicated guy. He's doing some horrible things, but he's kind of doing it for good purposes. And I thought that would like just that exchange was a very good summation of Robert McCall. I agree. I fully agree. That's one of those hit the heart moments as well, mm-hmm. which this movie had because you could tell they're wrapping things up for him or trying to at least wrap things up as a character because there are moments there where you're like feel emotionally connected to him yeah. more than the first two, even though it was, a, you know, revenging for Ventura's best friend in the second one and things like that. You, you feel connection, but here you feel emotional connection because it goes back to what you said, Jim, about his happiness and his future and how he can find peace and all that's leading to how his character can find peace of knowing if he's a good or bad man and not knowing. And then the doctor just reiterating, no, that means you are a good man. What you're doing is good. You're finding your inner peace. You're doing all these things to help people and find your peace. I think the emotional connections we felt to Robert McCall in this helped me enjoy the movie more, especially when you wrap everything up at the end and the the pension plans going back to that, that gentleman and everything Mm -hmm. else where I'm going, am I about to shed a tear during the equalizer three? Like, there are moments that actually made you feel emotional in this movie, and that's why I think I liked it more as the action thriller mystery type. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's it's not going to be the first Equalizer, but I think in a way uh, this movie was meant to wrap things up and also to kind of ease some of those tensions. So while you may not have been as excited as you were in the first equalizer, which is going to forget the second one. Uh, it's like the crystal skull of the three. Uh, not really that bad, but Gosh, you know what I'm saying? We're just it's harsh. Let's, yeah. let's just go. The bookends are the, are the better ones in this, in this franchise. And uh, so I found satisfaction and uh, denouement, as they say, nice. like, you know, like well kind done. of like lets you, uh, it, it, it lets you end it with a sense of complete, completion and and you know i most action movies are not going to give that to you no especially you see him celebrating a soccer win with his new village yeah into like he's enjoying happiness actual happiness not just content right but happiness like the the ending of the second one is more just he's content Uh, yeah he's okay yeah because he finished his mission right this is happiness and celebration which and a sense of belonging like jim said earlier he says belong with new family exactly Good point. So Dakota Fanning and Denzel Washington, obviously we haven't seen them together for almost 20 years on screens as Man on Fire, right? Yeah, she yeah. was an actual child. That's and really here cool. we see an interaction where almost I'm thinking, wait, was Man on Fire part of the Equalizer franchise? <laughs> and then for a second right. in the trailer, I thought this, like, wait, they're bringing her back. They're making a point to show that she's interacting with him again. No, obviously not. But it was neat to see the connection almost made me kind of roll my eyes a little bit because of how they're connecting the, the familial connection with her mother being sure who she was. I'm okay with that because again, it wraps it up a potential, a potential launching point for something else with her. What did you all think about Dakota Fanning's addition to this franchise, especially given her being the daughter of his best friend and also moving her rank up after this mission with the CIA? You know, I, I, 
initially I thought that, you know, like she's a very brash character and maybe overly confident character. And she seemed like a little young to be somebody so powerful within the CIA. And it was just a small thing. But as the movie went on, you realize, okay, well, it's because she's pretty good at what she does. Right. So it, it, it made more sense as it went on. So I, I mean, I like the character. I think, uh, they, they built it as the movie went along. They're like, okay, you know, she's not just, you know, uh, some analyst and he's trying to take care of her because of the connection he had to her mother, but she's earned the place she needs to be. And she's, different and interesting enough that you could do something with her beyond this movie with her being the main character. She's resourceful as well. And she didn't come and save the day or anything. He still saved her from the car bomb as well. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that aspect that they didn't have her be involved at the end to be the person that comes, saves the day or shoots a shot and fires us. I thought that would have been too cliche. So I'm glad they did this the way they did where he saved her with just that phone call briefly and she still had to recover from those injuries as well too yeah jeremy what do you think of uh, dakota fanning's role when you wish a character was on screen more you know you've had good casting Mm -hmm. dakota fanning was a perfect cast by this movie very good that's i I wanted to see her more i she you know you always that's the age-old you know podcast radio broadcasting anything right is leave them wanting more absolutely don't give them too much right she left me wanting more and I would, again, as I said earlier, I would sign up for Equalizer 4 if she were picking up the mantle from Mr. McCall. Very good. And Jeremy, you, uh, Justin, you brought up a great point that I was going to mention and I completely forgot. Uh, the Equalizer is not a movie you're going to like focus on special effects like you might some other movie. But the scene of that car bomb explosion was the very best depiction I've seen of a car bomb explosion in any film. Okay. There was something about it was filmed from a distance. You saw the blast and then you saw the way the blast came like out from the bomb towards the character that gets thrown by it. And it's coming towards you, the viewer where the camera is. And like, I don't for whoever put together that shot, uh, they should be teaching everybody. That's how you do a car bomb explosion. Because I felt like I witnessed a car bomb explosion rather than a really great effects crew put right. together something. I jumped. Yeah. I jumped. Like it because I wasn't necessarily expect I knew something was gonna happen, right? Same. Because they were leading to something happening. Yep. I didn't know it was gonna be an immediate as soon as like she turned. Boom, it actually made me jump in my seat. That means they accomplished something very well because you're expecting something, but it still threw you off. Yeah, I think if there's a a camera on the audience, uh, they are reacting back in in the same way that if they were there. It blows you away. Way better than retribution. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get scores on Equalizer 3. Let's start with... The fan of the franchise, Jeremy Gover. Denzel was great. The story is solid, and the villain is relatable. Not relatable to, like, the everyday person, but relatable as in, like, it wasn't a cookie-cutter mafia guy. Mm -hmm. It was more of an up-and-coming, 
this guy has aspirations. Trying to make a name for himself. Running the town, right? It's, it's, that's what I mean. So it wasn't yeah. stereotypical cookie cutter, but it was relatable. Like, oh, okay, I get, I get what this guy's supposed to be. And right? it's actually killing people and doing things, not just yes. words. Or ordering his henchmen to do it and right. while he sits in an ivory tower. Right. Exactly. He's crazy. He's a barbarian, like what yes, they said. for right. sure. Uh, the initial movie of the trilogy, 2014's Equalizer, obviously, is uh, slow, but has momentum every step of the way. Huge difference, because this movie was slow and had no momentum for about an hour, I thought. It was an, there was emotional momentum, like you're connecting with, okay, the, the doctor mm-hmm. that saved him, and, mm-hmm. and is he going to recover, and how's that going to work? And, and he's is understanding he gonna, the townspeople and yeah, like the guy, your business, yeah, developing the character of the town, if you will. Uh, how how life works there, this and that. I did find myself wondering how a crippled Denzel Washington is going to fight off bad guys. So, but all that takes time, right? So it's a weird criticism because on one hand, we always talk about how there's never enough time to character develop. Right. All most of the projects now, aside from maybe Andor, right, is like no, no, no. You, this is a six-episode series, for example. Okay, I know this is not a, a TV show, but go with me. So it's a six-episode series. You could have made it nine and fixed all these problems, but you rushed through these six episodes, and now there's no character development. We don't know why this happened. We don't feel any character depth of this character, whatever it may be. This was the opposite. This was almost too slow for me <laughs> to develop the town, develop him. How is he going to recover? Why is he there? Here's How the, he's changed. All these different people, like the... The not the warden, but the the, the police, police guy, chief, yeah. the police chief. Thank you, police chief. The you know the the doctor, the fish market owner guy. I mean, like yeah. all this stuff, and you're developing all this. So in that case, it was great. But on the other hand, it was like, golly, can we move this along. So the first half of the film to me was very empty until Dakota Fanning's character basically got on site. Then it started yep. to really pick up and move. Not because of her. I, I almost hate to say that. The story moved along. But, but the, the story, story moved yeah. along from that point. And it was like, okay, now I'm invested. But you wasted, not wasted, okay, for an hour of my time, essentially. And I didn't care for that. Uh, just be what you're great at. Like I said earlier, don't try to be John Wick, please. Just be what you're great. Be the hoot, the the mystery, the intrigue of this kind of spy thriller action movie guy that can get, be just be that. Why do we have to be John Wick three and four <laughs> and others? Unlike the first one, and to some degree the second, this has zero rewatchability for me. Five point five. All right. Wow. Why, I I think Gover had expectations for this movie. Do you think? But I tried I think, to check them at the door. He tried, but he didn't. He failed. He failed. Tried. The, first hour, try. the first hour was empty to him. Yes. The emotional connection you're feeling with the town no, and why he's said, doing what he's doing to protect the town yes. and, and avenge what he's what the, happened to the town and everything like that. It was just empty. It was, just, it was, it was empty. <laughs> Emotionally, it was full. Momentum-wise, it was empty. There was no momentum for me. It's funny because... <laughs> What you didn't like about the movie, I liked a lot. Well, then why don't you go next, then, Jimmy? Okay, okay, well, uh, I mean, contrast my critique. Just, just figure it out and kill the people. Like Gover wants. I think Bradford and I will kind of like tag team our score here because I think we're going to be sort of on the same level. Uh, I really liked where you found the lull. Uh, the emptiness. I, the emptiness. Yeah, don't forget yes. empty. The void. Yes, his heart is black. I <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, you, you need to have the adrenaline rush. I really enjoyed uh, the character development of Denzel and some of the other characters. Obviously, uh, you know uh, the Dakota Fanning CIA agent. Um, 
And I really kind of enjoyed it because it made me more invested in what happens later in the movie when the action does pick up. Um, I really thought like, okay, he's learning who he is. He's learning who they are, uh, the town. And there is a kind of like, you know, like a, like a dog sniffing your hand, but happening between him <laughs> and the town, uh, which I understand. Like it's a small community and they're not just going to, you know, embrace somebody in that way right away. It, it's, develops over time. So I liked the time. It made sense for me in that story. Uh, to me, uh, the gore was a little over the top. And I know like it should be for an action movie, but uh, it was a different kind of gore for me, I thought. And I, uh, I thought maybe it was a little bit too much. Um, what did you like, what did you think of what we'll call the void? <laughs> the emptiness. <laughs> the emptiness of this movie. It wasn't empty because it was making an emotional connection. What I wanted <laughs> out of this, the whole thing of this is to close the franchise and for Robert McCall to find peace, to mm-hmm. find home, to find happiness. You can't expect him to find that if you don't establish why he wants to find peace and why he feels home and comfortable in Altamonte. They establish that through the first hour of this film because the personal connections he's making, how he's looking over the city, how he's making connections with people, whether it's at the cafe, at the fish market, with the doctor, with with the, the police officer, the marshal, and everything, too. He's making personal connections with everyone. He's feeling a connection. And they, just like you said, Jim, they're feeling him out. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, this guy's actually a good guy. We can tell just by his actions he just wants to belong somewhere and find peace and happiness. All that takes time to develop. It takes character development, which takes time... <laughs> And you need to take time to do that because I don't necessarily consider this straight up action. It is mystery, thriller, action. And in mystery and thriller, it takes time to develop things to where you have moments of, oh, or of shock or things like that. The the mystery behind is like the car bomb. That's not just action. There's mystery behind that because we weren't expecting it. It makes us jump. It makes a thriller. Yeah. As well, too. So there's so many of these types of things that I think they did a very good job of making this a complete type of action movie by having all those pieces in there, but emotional connection. And that's what I wanted. And that's why I think I enjoyed it more was because of those emotional connections because I felt connected to these characters. I felt for the town and what they were going through. The gangster mob mafia type was... Very cliche in so many ways, but I'm okay with that because they established, like, he's going to be cliche. He's a mobster. But at least he's taking action of what he's doing, and you know who's going to die. You know who's going to die in this movie. Sure. And all of them, you know. But it's curious to me as we look through things because, you know, I always like to bring up the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing. So I'm curious what the rest of people are saying, right? The first equalizer, 61% critics, 77% audience. That's not bad considering it's 50,000 reviews. Yeah, audience so it's too low for the record it's too low and 61 percent for critics which critics for this type of movie are typically more harsh sure right so then equalizer two the worst of the three 52 percent critic 60 percent audience only 5,000 audience score so i think that's actually kind of fair mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. i agree with that. equalizer three so far 74 percent critic 94 percent audience so right now and this is going to change as more thousands of people put reviews in right it's probably going to come down to the 80s i would think sure. of the audience 
they're really liking this. They're satisfied. They're they're satisfied. I think that's the right word. They're satisfied with the way they they found peace for Robert McCall. So I'm thinking more of the audience agrees with us, Jim. <laughs> people, we, the people the movie was made for. He lays that on me all the time. Uh, <laughs> like I'm going to react to that. Like I care what other people think. There are other weeks when it, he lays it on me as well. So I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to revel in this I'm too much. I'm saying movies are made for an audience, right? Yes, and that's true. They missed the mark for you with this one because you they were did. the audience. You're a fan of the I franchise. I was the target demo. You were the target. Yeah. The general audience is so far loving this. It's just great. curious because movies are made to be watched. Like people, you you don't make yeah. it for your own thing. You make it so people enjoy it. They watch. They want more. You leave them wanting more, like Dakota Fanning did. Yep. So they're gonna see the, how people react to these things and decide. Well, what do we need to do with Dakota Fanning now? They left it open for her because she got a promotion. Yeah. There's more power for her character. She already had the connections with her family in CIA. So there's no doubt she knows people. She has the black book. There, there's the black book that exists and everything. Like there's so many things they could do with this if they chose to. And I like how they left it open ended. But you could close it if you wanted to. Yeah. There's no pressure in anything. There's no end credit scene or anything like that to tease. Like like they had to go on. But yeah. I was satisfied with this film. I was also, uh, you know, for every cliche that I saw coming at me with like a crime family and things like that. You know, while there was some cliches, there was just so much, uh, so much thematic development of his character and some of the other characters uh, that I really enjoyed, uh, I guess, the way they brought it all together. And I did feel satisfied and I'm giving Equalizer 3 a 7. All right. And so my little things, like the choices that they, what they chose is after the restaurant scene where it's the little brother threatening the mm-hmm. marshal again yeah. and then coming up to him saying, stay out of my business. Great scene, by the way. I am mm-hmm. glad they didn't draw it out with the, with the that little brother and that immediately after the fact, McCall goes and takes care of it. Mm-hmm. Like, right. me, like, I'm going to go ahead and kill you now. Like, there's no drawn out thing where it has to hunt them down or wait for them to come back or anything like that. It's like, no, dude, you done effed up, A.A. Ron. <laughs> that was, like, he took care of it immediately, and I'm satisfied with that. There's no drawn out because they didn't need to draw that out anymore. Mm-hmm. Take care of it. Go ahead and initiate the boss to come in. Yeah. My nit- there's one nitpick I have, and it's on consistency. Okay. With, with makeup from injury. So, Geo, the marshal, gets the crap beat out of him at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in the restaurant. And it looks not not even at the restaurant is right after that. You can barely tell yep. that he got the crap beat out of him. They did a good job when his ear got blown off, and at least when they're doing the parade sequence and they show the ear being bandaged and everything too, he got cleaned up. There's that one that was very minor, and it just stuck in my head for some reason because I'm like he had blood all over his face and, and a it was scar just over a couple seconds ago. Right, yeah. he did not get cleaned up that much that quickly. Right. So that was my only little nitpick that doesn't just any points or anything like that because it's so minor in the overall factor of it. But that is one little thing that I noticed that stuck in my mind. I give it a seven as well. All right. So very surprising results that uh, the two people that were casual fans of the Equalizer <laughs> franchise yeah. really enjoyed the movie more than the uh, the super fan. I hadn't seen any of them until we were going to go watch three. Like I watched both of them back to back in one day and then watched Equalizer three. The first yeah. one's awesome, right? Yeah. Oh, it is. I love it. Like it's, it's one of those things. I don't know how I didn't watch it. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> it somehow. Yeah. For it some reason, yeah. it's, it snuck past us. You've been hanging with us on the Untitled Film Project podcast. Time for the big question. All right. We've been talking about Denzel Washington, one of the goats. Let's get into it. Your favorite role or film, because I think you could have different ones for those. So favorite role or film of Denzel Washington. 
All right, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to say the probably least favorite of our audience first, but I just thought the role was incredible because he was just such a terrific actor in the movie Flight. Okay. Okay. Okay, So Flight is where he is playing a a pilot, uh, a airline pilot who is very good at his job, uh, but he has a massive drinking problem. And he's also, uh, you know, fooling around on the side with uh, one of his flight attendants. Uh, An emergency happens. He pulls one of the most amazing, you know, Sully-like, you know, he saved a lot of people's lives by what he did with that airplane in such a tragic thing. But you come to find out, you know, he was still super drunk and... Uh, eventually, uh, you know, the investigation into the crash, uh, even though he did something pretty darn heroic, uh, is going to lead to them thinking that the girl he was boom chicka wow wowing with <laughs> is going to take some of the blame uh, for uh, they're going to think, you know, that she was the one drinking. And, you know, I'm spoiling a little bit of the movie, but, uh, you know, he has got to come to terms with, okay, he's not a hero, he is super flawed, and he's got to come to accept that. And it's only through, I mean, going through the most horrible things that he's able to reel in his ego and realize what he really is, which is... Wow, you're a great pilot, but as a human, you're not all that great. <laughs> and for him to go through that emotional roller coaster and bring us along for that ride uh, was an even better feat than what he did with the plane. It was just tremendous. It is not a feel good movie whatsoever, but boy, is it a great performance. So I'll go with Flight for my Denzel Washington movie. All right, Jim. All right. I was not expecting that. I so, wasn't either. Yeah. I like how it's off the board. I like yeah. that. My favorite role of his, and obviously I'm not going to name any because I don't want to steal Bradford's Thunder here, but we could name probably 15 off the sure. top. His resume is pretty impeccable. But None, none of them would be wrong. Right. Yeah. But uh, mine is a highly rewatchable movie. Another underrated movie, I think, of its decade, and that is Crimson Tide, when he was uh, playing yes. Lieutenant Commander Ron Hunter. Love yes. that movie. Uh, it's so underrated. Because the personality of Lieutenant Hunter and the personality of the captain of the ship, which, of course, is played by Gene Hackman, they are at odds, and you can see both sides, which is, in my opinion, extremely rare yeah. in film. Usually it's like, okay, this guy's a bad guy. Maybe maybe we even give him credit, like Thanos or Killmonger or something like that. We know how he got there. He's got a good reason. And we're like, okay, but wrong. you're still right. But or there's the other kind, like the Susan Strandon character in Blue Beetle, where you're like, okay, there's that's ridiculous. You're garbage. <laughs> you're, you're you're a token bad guy essentially. Okay. Instead, in this movie, because the characters are so well developed by both A-list actors like Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington, yeah. you can see both sides. How both men get there to their decision making and there's a part of you regardless of which side you're on whether it's the peace country side of denzel washington or the you know kind of older you know tyrant 
kind of hard ass guy like Gene Hackman, right? We better do something or we're pretty violent, or if else. we don't, right? Yeah. We're gonna, yeah. So you can see where both are coming from, and you can uh, see, oh, that's how they got there. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to solve this? And Denzel Washington playing Lieutenant Hunter is essential. Lieutenant Ron Hunter in Crimson Tide. That's my answer. Oh, that's a good Great. one. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So for mine, I you know there's there's always training day. I mean, you won an award oh, yeah. for that as well. I mean, Oscar winner for good day. reason. For good reason. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite movie and role, I would say just personally, and this maybe when the movie came out, I connected with it a lot too, would be Remember the Titans. Ah, uh, yeah. One of the best sports movies of all time. When he's coach Herman Boone and dealing with, with so much in culture that was going on in mm-hmm. the South during that time period, the way he interacted with the teenagers on the team, the way he interacted with society, with that. And the town's expectations. Yes, whatever, oh. whatever the true story may be with this team now, because you learn more about true sports stories after the fact, the movie itself and the way he performed that role was so incredible to me. And the one that stands out to me is just when he goes, my man. <laughs> That's one of my favorite gifts to use because his smile. Denzel Washington mm-hmm. has a smile. He does an equalizer three. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when that smile hits, it lightens up a screen and just makes you smile back. He has that type of smile on a screen. And when he does it and remember the Titans or whatnot, it's incredible. And then you also think the other actors that are in this. I mean, there's a there's a pretty well-known actor in, in this film as well, right? And remember the Titans? He's in Barbie. Ryan Gosling? Awful, awful cornerback. But but the stereotypical quarterback, (laughs) though. Right. Yeah. So, but it's just one of those things, like, you see the other actors that have been in this movie that have gone on to do so many other things. This is from 2000. So now in 2023, you look at all the different... Hayden Panettiere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What she did with her career and everything, too. So, I mean... I love this movie for how it launched, I feel like, a lot of different actors as well and how you can go back to this Disney sports movie and see all the connections and how wonderfully cast it was, too. Because they cast people that had true talent in this movie and they're able to go on and do bigger and better things, too. But I just love the way he portrayed this and how he's able to handle this role in dealing with something that's based on a true story. Because I don't think he's done many (laughs) of those. Right. And being able to take that in and being able to connect with the story and really help tr- tell that true story. And it was one of my favorite sports movies. That and Miracle are my two favorite sports movies uh, of all time. And Denzel Washington makes that movie. It's one of those things, too. There's a lot of other people you could cast. But I think with his portrayal and his delivery of this role, I can't imagine anybody else playing Coach Herman Boone on the screen. Agreed. Right now, there's probably a whole bunch of people <laughs> listening or watching and oh, saying, why didn't you pick this movie or that Denzel movie because there is so many to choose from. So uh, let us know what did we leave off or uh, maybe we picked the wrong one. That was his, <laughs> the one dud and they said that was great. Uh, that's where you let us know. Absolutely. You do that on social media, on Total Film Project. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you want to find us. And then make sure you go to our website, untiltedfilmprojectpod.com. You can find all the reviews that Gover writes and, and Jim writes as well, too, writing lots of different stories in there. And always watch our TikTok videos and on YouTube. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project Podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.